Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But this morning, I have the incredible privilege of continuing with our series. And our series is called? So you've got to work with me this morning. It's no matter what. And, and we are so excited. We're going to kick off this morning by reading from chapter 2, the first 11, first 11 verses of chapter 2. But here's some important things. It's Paul, he's writing this letter to his friends in Philippi. And he was intricately involved in seeing this church planted and seeing the gospel spread to this amazing city. And he knows them by name. He writes them with love and affection. But he's sitting in jail. He's not sitting on the sofa of some green room being fed cookies and cream while he's praying for the church. He's sitting in jail and he writes a letter of joy. He writes a letter of courage. He writes a letter of love. And he calls them to the fearless ministry that God called him to, regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation. And he writes and he pens this letter. And we carry on now as we've done chapter 1 for the last two, three weeks, two weeks. We're going to read from chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to take them out and read from them. We do put it up on the screen because there are a lot of different versions out there. My one's right, obviously. And um, we're going to carry on from chapter 2. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We come this morning, God, and we thank you for your word. I pray your word would speak this morning. I pray it wouldn't be my clever application. It would just be the power, the wonder of your word. I pray would your word get deep inside of our hearts, deep inside of our souls, deep inside of our being, deep inside of our minds, this morning, and would transform and change us today, God. We give you all the glory. Amen. And I don't want to get clever with this text this morning. I want us to just work line by line through something of this most amazing, amazing, amazing text. And he starts out with this incredible word. He says, and, and, and in, in, in the translation that I put up for you, it says, therefore, the NIV says, if you have any encouragement, it carries on. But there's this intimation to what's come before. And what's come before is this Philippians 1 verse 27. No matter what. No matter whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ Jesus. 
Whatever happens, it is this fearless, powerful ministry. He's like this, this guy says, no matter, he's gone through whippings and beatings and stonings and snake bitings and, 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 and lack of food and shipwrecks and all these things. He's saying, no matter what, no matter what your circumstances, no matter how aggressive the enemy, no matter how bad the conditions, he's that under nine coach where he's got under nines and they're playing against under 18s and he's just saying to those little guys, no matter what, boys, we're going to do this. He's that guy. He's this fearless guy who has an unchanging, unwavering belief in who Jesus is, how powerful Jesus is. And he calls them to a very big story. And then he continues, he says, if there is any, and, 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 and then he says, then, he says this preposition, that proposition that if there is, then. And he asks a couple of rhetorical questions, he, but he's making statements. And he starts out with this incredible, incredible statement. And, and it's kind of, you know, a rhetorical question is the thing. It's you, you say it, and it doesn't need an answer. So you know what I mean. It's kind of, it's the question when someone gets them, and they're going, could this day get any worse? You don't want the kind of statistician to say, well, statistically, um, actually, this could happen, and there's an 87% chance you could hit by a bus. You're like, whoa, okay, the day can get, it's like, you don't want the answer. Paul's challenging, but he doesn't want an answer. He's not insecure about his belief and his trust and what he believes God. And he says, first of all, he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, it's this unbelievable statement. He's saying, come on, guys, I'm sitting in jail. There's not a whole lot of money in the bank. I've been through a couple of shipwrecks. He says, but if you've got any encouragement in Christ, just a little bit, have the unfortunate privilege of sitting in the emergency ward at, at Netcare Bloberg on Friday night. And I came in and I sat down and, and, and I was being treated to, and just before they moved me through to another area and I had to leave, they brought this lady in and just tried to commit suicide. And um, we sing of the rugged cross of Jesus and everything inside of me wanted to get away from me. Let me just tell her about the rugged cross of Jesus. Let me just tell her that if there's any courage, if there's any comfort, if there's anything, let me just tell her about the rugged cross of Jesus and the love of her Savior. And there were counselors and people all around and doctors, and I couldn't get to her. If we can just tell people, and Paul is calling the church. See, this is a letter to the church, saying, church, if there is any courage, encouragement, what is that? Courage. We need Courage. We need courage for the gospel. We need courage to carry the gospel out into the marketplace, to lay hands on the sick. We need courage to go on ventures and dreams and, and, and climb mountains for Jesus. We need courage. And Paul is writing to this church. He says, church, you need courage. I've told you about the challenges at the, in chapter one. I've spoken to you about the challenges. But if there is any encouragement in being united with Christ. And he continues this in these incredible rhetorical questions and these statements. says, if there is any comfort in his love, I just wanted to go to this lady and say, lady, there is comfort in his love. There's comfort. The Latin root comes from the word fortis, meaning strength. There is comfort. There is strength in his love. The Greek comes from the word paraklesis, and it's not just comforting like softening the blow. Sometimes we come and, and sometimes comfort means I'm just going to soften the blow for someone. No, comfort doesn't mean that. Comfort means coming and putting strength inside of them. Coming and making them strong, lifting them up. 
And you just want to go to someone in that state and say, you know why, as believers, we shouldn't get there, is because actually, if there is any comfort in the paraclesis, any comfort in, 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 in the Holy Spirit, in our walking with Jesus, if there's any, we hold on to him. Remember, he's writing from prison. It's not some soothing sympathy. It's strengthening, helping, making strong. And then he says, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, our unity, our togetherness, if there's any, and it comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means sharing of things that are all in common. We come together, and and in our koinonia together, in our sharing, in our gathering, in our being together, in our sharing friendships across cities, in sharing life and celebrating gifts, as we do that together, there is strength. And he continues this incredible statement saying, if there is any affection and mercy, just understand a tiny bit of salvation. Understand a tiny bit of the blood and the cross of Jesus. Sing of that cross and you understand just a little. He says, if there is any. He doesn't say, if there's a large portion. If you have years of walking with. If you have these degrees. He says, if you have any. Just any. And then he calls them. But I want to read, as, you, as I've preached before, I honestly believe Paul was Scottish. Like William Wallace. It, there has to be. When I see Paul's life and look at William Wallace, I think they must have been related somewhere. I've got no proof and the Bible gives us no. So I'm going to read from the message a few verses of Paul. Is that all right? There we go. <laughs> I've just forgotten how a Scottish accent f- sounds. <laughs> Give me a second. I'm thinking of <laughs> I'll be back. I literally have forgotten. Do we have any Scottish people in the house this morning? Um, should I give it a go? There we go. Yeah, yeah. If you had gotten any, yeah, I'm going to give it a Stay with me. We'll get there. If you've gotten anything out of the following Christ, can we put that scripture up, please? We've got the screen. This will help them actually understand what I'm saying. It's not that one. It's a few later. It says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. (laughs) Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front, you fool. No, that's not in the Bible. Just Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. There we go. But uh, Paul says, if any comfort and any courage, if any affection, then do me a favor. It's like, come on, guys, I'm in jail. Do me a favor, you're out there. Do me a favor. We're not oppressed to the point we can't do anything. Do me a favor. It's a high call of the apostle to the church that is doing well, and he's calling them to the next level. And he's saying the next level looks like something. And he calls them to something amazing. It is a leader calling a people to a high call. That's why he's got to be Scottish. Just saying. (laughs) Convinced. says, then make my joy complete. By having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Saying, guys, it's so important that we get this. It says, and my joy is in Jesus, but make it complete. And he calls a personal call to individuals to say, individuals, 
It's not just about what the church is doing. It's about us as individuals coming into a story and fighting for unity, fighting for one-mindedness, fighting for the gospel. It's that important. Unity is that important. And he exhorts the church and puts it in a personal request because the goal is a powerful church that will change the world. Not a church hiding out in church on Sunday, a church that will change the world to see the King of Kings exalted. But I want to call this morning's preach the challenge of Jesus to the enemy inside. Because in these lines, there's an enemy, a hidden enemy. See, when we talk about Philippians 1, it's easy to go to the shipwrecking. It's easy to go to the oppressors. It's easy to go to the enemies. It's easy to go to the snake bite. It's easy to go to all the externals that are so obvious. And we are good at getting God Get them, the external, the enemies. Sort my boss out. Sort my neighbor and his barking dog out. Sort this out. Sort that out. But Paul is so clever and masterful in the way he handles the text and he handles the scripture. And he calls me and says, but guys, there's an enemy. It's inside. We're not good at seeing the enemy inside. When last did you ask someone, pray for me because I'm really struggling with arrogance. When lost. And Paul writes and he says, guys, says there's two enemies I want you to see. Two enemies that are so vital. He calls them. He says there's an enemy inside. The first one is selfish ambition. The sex one, second one is vain conceit. Yes, I did say that. <laughs> You can just quieten it down a little bit there. But it's, he calls them to these two things that are, it says, do nothing out. Do nothing. Not do a little bit. If you do 90%, not out of it, then the 10% you can have. He says, do nothing. It's a hard call. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Thank you. Do nothing. What is selfish ambition? Is he saying ambition is wrong? Not at all. Paul was possibly one of the most ambitious men you'll ever read about, hear about, read his stories. He was unbelievably ambitious for the gospel. But he's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Why? Because at the center of selfish ambition is me. At the center of selfish ambition is an idol, and it looks like me. He said, that won't lead to unity. That won't lead to humility. That won't lead to the story that leads to the glorification of God. And he says, it's an enemy. It's an insidious enemy that's deep inside. It looks like, what does it look like? It looks like generosity where I'm at the center of the story. Honestly, for me, that's why tithing God was genius. Because I'm nowhere in the story. He is. When someone receives or gives, or it's, it's him. It's not my hands. It's his hands. It's like when you pray for someone. Do you know, I believe you can have selfish ambition in praying for the sick. Because it can be about my ministry and my story and what God is doing with me. And when God heals the sick, it's not about what God is doing with you. It's about his love breaking into the broken. And then he goes on. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. How about vain conceit? What is vain conceit? Vain conceit is the concept of actually I just think about myself all the time. I think about me and when it's in me and I have a high view of myself. You know, it's a challenge because the world says... Have a high view about yourself. Make something of yourself. Become something. And so reality shows are crazy because everyone wants to be that big star, wants to make it high. The concept of walking a faithful life 
becomes diminished because actually we, we throw ourselves and we give ourselves to this unbelievable world culture of vain conceit. And I think we've got to understand it's actually about the biggest story. He's calling us to a unity story. I love that I was watching the highlights of, of the enemy, not enemies, the Emmys. What are those shows? The Emmys. And, and, and all these guys and these big shows win awards and one guy walks up. He takes the glory for everything. Says a speech, does something for world peace, does everyone there, does the thing, it's awesome. And then they called up the America's Got Talent team who won the best show something. I don't know what they won. I could make it up, but I'm not going to. They won something. And like 40 people ran onto the stage. What's going on here? It's a stampede. It's a riot. No, they just decided to bring their whole team up onto stage. So it's amazing. It's so counterculture. It wasn't about one guy. It was about the big story. And actually, I've watched that show many times. I've never seen any of those people except for one or two. I think there's something there. There's something that looks like Jesus. And he carries on. He says, as he calls us to this amazing story, he says, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. That is... He's talking of value. He's saying, put value to yourself. He's not saying put no value to yourself and think of yourself nothing. He's just saying, consider others better than yourself. It's the the challenges we carry with us an attitude of confidence, superiority in our world. We're encouraged to do it. We teach children to do it. The systems of our world are teaching our kids to think that way. And yet, the poor writes into that very essence of that challenge. And he says, hey, guys, it's an issue of value. And it says, value everyone. Everyone's got a seat at the table, at Jesus' table, even the guy who would deny him, even the guy who would cheat and lie, even the guy, those guys got a seat at the table. Value. Everyone. And he calls them, he says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So he's not saying don't look into your interests. Be this self-effacing, so humble, more humble than Jesus, Christian, saying you've got some interest, look into them. But he says, don't look only to your interests. The issue is, where are you looking? Because if you're not looking, you're not going to see someone else's interests. If you're not looking, you're not going to see the person walking next to the street who needs some help. If you're not looking, or you're not hearing, or you're not asking to say, God, what is it? You're probably not going to see the other people and their lack of interest. Does that make sense? He says, Don't be looking only to your own interests. If your only thing that you're looking at is your bank balance, your situation, if the only thing you're looking at is your future, if the only thing you look at, that's the only thing you'll see. He says, what if you lifted your vision a little higher? What if you saw Jesus and saw what he sees? What you'll probably see is the outworking of something that looks like radical Christianity. It's an incredibly challenging story. God's kingdom is advancing, and he's challenging this Philippians church. He said, do you want to be a part of it? See, we started out so well, but if we're going to walk in the story, we've got to deal with some of the enemy that's inside. Because we can fight the enemy outside all days, and the fort can be up and it can be strong, but if the enemy is inside, it's not seen and not dealt with. It won't stand. And then what does he do? He calls us with a picture of Jesus. And the early church said they would, they would turn this into song, the songs, and they would sing something of this, because it's so beautiful. It's so counter everything else. It's so counter selfishness. It's so, and, the, and the community, they would sing it as a blessing over their people. 
But he continues with this amazing challenge. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Other translations say your mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your mindset. And to me, the challenge with this is our attitudes begins with our mind. And God says, the Bible says, open up the gates so the king of glory come in. I think the gates are not the houses of our doors. The gates are our minds. They're our thoughts. They're our thinking. They're the way we process how we come to God with our minds and our thinking. He says, actually... Your mindset, the way your mind thinks, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So there's a process to that point even. It's allowing the Word of God to keep washing over us. It's allowing not just to know the Word of God. I know the Word of God. My point is is not to know the Word of God. My point is to be transformed by the Word of God. God's not going to, I'm not going to get to heaven and He's going to say, well, recite for me the first 75 verses of the New Testament. And if I nail it, then I'm in. If I nail it, then I did well. I honestly don't think. I think he's going to say, okay, you spent time in my word. Okay, you sought me. And look at the fruit. Look at the lives. Look at your wife. Look at your children. Look at the people in your world that I gave you to steward. Look how faithful you were or weren't with them. It's not about the scriptures I can quote. Is that okay? I mean, it's all about the scriptures. When they get inside my heart and they transform everything. See, what did Jesus say was the most important commandment in Matthew 12, verse 30? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And we forget that in the middle there's this little thing, love the Lord with all of your mind. The gospel, Christianity, is a thinking man's thing. It's not throw it all away. Faith means I throw all logic away, I throw my mind out the door, and I just run. That's not Christianity. It says, love the Lord your God. With all of your soul, all of your mind, and all. Is that all right? I think it's so good that we understand that, the, that he's challenging. And these scriptures weren't penned that we would just go, wow, Jesus. These scriptures were penned that we would go on a journey with Jesus to be more like him. And he starts speaking about Jesus as, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He says, who being very nature, God, his very nature, not his actions, his nature. The ASV speaks about, yeah, the equality with God, a thing to be grasped. You know, the challenge with, with a grasping man, to when, when I think of grasping, I think someone sinking sand, grasping for something solid, grasping for a log, grasping for solid sand. Jesus didn't, on the cross, begin to grasp for her deity, Begin to grasp for the power that he had access to. He didn't grasp for anything. The only thing he did was said, Father, not my will. A prayer that changed the world forever. He didn't grasp to say, Father, just going to use a little bit of the power you gave me. Poof, I'm gone. He could have done that. But he chose not to grasp. He's saying in the same attitude as of Christ, have the same mindset, who didn't grasp his deity so that he could get out of a situation or a circumstance. There's a learning for us. See, the mission of God, why did he choose not to grasp? Because of the mission of God. Because on the other side of his obedience were people. On the other side of his obedience was the fact that a lady in an emergency room could come to know the comforter on the other side of his obedience. And then it says, 
But he made himself nothing, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The challenge is, the world shouts, make something of yourself. It's on the front of every magazine. How to become rich. Click. Those links pop up. 75 links of the one document, 75 links. How to make this much bucks like this person in one hour a day work. Click. And the world says, actually, you've got to make something of yourself. You've got to work hard. You've got to put your back into it. Come on, young people. You've got to put your back in. You've got to make something of yourself. Jesus came, and Paul describes him. He says, he, he, he comes. He says, rather, he made nothing. He made himself nothing. He takes the king of kings. That's the name Jesus has given. The king of kings. He says he makes himself nothing. And takes on the nature of a servant. There's a difference between the action of a servant and the nature of a servant. The action of a servant is is a waitron. We're not allowed to say waiter anymore. I think it's a waitron. Who you know it's all about the tip. You just know. And that's okay. That's why they're there. But every now and again, you encounter someone who just loves making people happy. They serve. Because inside... Someone taught them somewhere. Someone modeled for them somewhere what it is to serve. If we did some studies, we'd probably find a mother who served that child when they were at home, who humbled themselves. Nothing like parenting to humble yourself. Catching things in your clean hands in the middle of the night because there was no nappy nearby. It's not the greatest thing that I ever thought I would be doing in life. You want to humble yourself? Serve someone who can't do anything for themselves. The difference between the action of a servant, and we've got to be careful, church. We've got to be careful at just posturing as servants and not taking on the nature of a servant. We've got to be careful of the Facebook selfie reality. Whoa, look at me with a hungry kid. Here's a sandwich. I'm being serious. I don't think that's going to change the world. I think what will change the world is your love for that kid. You've got to be careful because it says he took on the nature of a servant. You know who Jesus is? John chapter 13, verse 2. Let me show you Jesus. The evening, was, the evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was wrapped around him. Do you want to know who Jesus is? He didn't posture himself so there could be a cool story in the Bible. This is who he was. He says, actually, I'm going to take the 12 guys that honestly were clueless. Let's be honest. Look at the disciples. They failed along the way so many times like we do. They lacked faith at times. They made decisions at times. They cried out for the best seat in the house at times. He takes those guys. He knows in those guys are guys who are going to deny him. 
He knows in those guys, one of the guys is selling him out. He stands up from the meal that he was the host of. He was the main attraction. He takes off his robe. Gets on his knees. And I want to... Can I have a chair? Why not? Will you bring a chair? And uh, I wasn't... I was just praying this morning. I want to show something of this because I think it's so foreign to us. It is... uh, When a leader would get on the floor, take off the robe. When a leader would wash, you see the feet of those days, they were some dirty feet. They weren't nice nylon socks, maybe cotton socks, maybe a manicure, what do you call it? No, what do you call it? Pedicure, maybe some dead things taken off with the thing. Those weren't the feet we're talking about here. These were some hard working feet on sandals in the dust. All the time. They did, those are the feet. Jesus, I'm going to take it off. And I wanted to demonstrate this morning, not for a show, but I felt God drop a young man. And he's on song show or screen this morning. Oh, wait, why don't you come here, bro? See, he never wears shoes. <laughs> he always wears sandals. It doesn't matter how cold it is. But, but I just think sometimes we, we, we don't get it until we see it. You know who this man is? Come sit here, buddy. We're different. I'm older than him. Does a, what's that little thing on your toe there? <laughs> Can we have another one? <laughs> just. We're different. We're from different backgrounds. And in the history of our country... Actually, in many ways, we might not be friends other than the gospel. In most contexts, I'm a teacher. Olwetu is an intern here. He's a disciple. He's chosen to serve in this place. He's chosen to say, I'm going to serve in this place and serve in the leadership of this house. And he does that faithfully. In most contexts, he's, got, he's full of potential, but he hasn't walked into a lot of that yet. And the world doesn't recognize potential. The world recognizes what you've done. And Jesus takes a bunch of disciples. He says, I'm going to take off my robe of royalty. Take off my privilege. I'm going to take it off. I'm going to get even lower. I'm going to get even smaller. And he gets on his knees, and he takes that off, and he takes water. And, and these dirty feet... <laughs> and he says, actually... The king of kings. The king of kings takes my dirt and takes my feet that have walked me into some of the worst places. Takes my feet that have walked me into deliberate sin. Takes my feet that have walked this mouth that have hurt people. Takes those feet. And he says, actually, what I'm going to do I'm going to take all my dignity and put it aside. I'm going to take your feet. I don't know what that is. And I'm going to say, I love you.
to see. I don't know. I want to see Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. And you know, this guy puts these chairs out on Thursday. I came here, Wednesday, I think. And he put the chairs out that you're sitting on. And none of you would have known that. And then they build scaffoldings and they fix the lights. And none of you would know that. And you come here and you think that the preacher, the worship leader. Why? Because we are so conditioned. Thanks, my brother. And um, the church that will change the world keep getting on their knees and washing the feet of those who can give them nothing. Washing the feet of those who are dirty. We've said it before from this pulpit, but a church without the broken is a broken church. But there's no point having that philosophy if we aren't prepared to clean them up. If we think it's just Jesus' job, we're sorely mistaken. And we'll miss the big picture. The big picture is this. See, what Paul takes away from the church is the thinking, well, this is who I am. I grew up in a home of privilege, so I'm used to being served. Because let me tell you who I am. And let me put it out. Until I was 18 years old when my parents lost everything, I grew up in a home of privilege. I didn't make my bed many mornings. I didn't clean a lot of dishes. I didn't learn to serve much in my house. I learned to serve in the local church. As fathers and mothers took me and said, young man, arrogant young man, working away in the corporate world, think the world owes you something. On a Saturday afternoon, go get those chairs. On a Saturday night, when your mates are joining, take those chairs to Gravel Racecourse and put them in a tent and set them out for a thousand people. And on a Sunday night when the dust is up, and Jenny knows what I'm talking about, and the dust has been on those chairs all day, and the people leave, start packing those chairs up and take them back. Because God wants to get inside of your heart. Because there's an enemy inside of my heart. And there's an enemy inside of your heart. And it's called, I think too much of myself. And it's all about me. And it's celebrated in the world. But Paul writes a letter. He says, actually, if you keep making yourself smaller, like Jesus did, and if you throw away the excuse, that's who I am, because it doesn't matter who you are, it matters who he is. And if you allow yourself to get on your knees, we can change the world. And the gospel will get inside. And I've got a couple of other things that I want to say, but I'm going to call it there. Because he says, this amazing story, he says, and he calls the church, he says, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's some stuff that's got to be put to death. Let me tell you about the cross. It wasn't quick. 
They didn't cut off his head in one swift, swift blow like Goliath got the privilege of. The cross takes time. There's some things in your life and there's some things in my life that are going to take time to be put to death. I've spoken many times and it's an ongoing journey about my journey of putting to death this mouth. And it's still a journey sometimes. But selfish ambition and vain conceit are a long journey of putting to death. And I, I, I asked, I don't know if we're able to do that, Juna. I asked Trav to, to just, I didn't plan this before. We're going to put up a couple of chairs and, and things here. And, and in response to the word of God this morning, in response to wanting to be the church that he's doing, building the church that he's calling us to, I'm going to ask, I think there's some husbands who need to wash their wives' feet today. Because just because I, I do this or do that doesn't make me the nature of a servant. Maybe you need to wash your children's feet. I don't know. But if we're going to step into the more of Jesus, and we're going to be the church that he wants to build, and it's going to be a no matter what gospel story for you and I, then we've got to be a people who are prepared to keep doing what Jesus did. And Jesus came, and with his blood, on that rugged cross that we sang about. He washes my feet daily. My dirty life, my dirty story. He keeps washing. And I'm going to pray for us now if that's all right. And I, I don't know if this touched size for you. I grew up in a suburb until I was 13 years old. Where people like, oh, where to have to leave before a certain time of the day. I grew up with privilege, and then when that privilege was taken away, I struggled with those who had privilege. I don't know about you, but these are my struggles. This is my stuff. God's got stuff that He wants to deal with in us because the gospel is so good. Because church can't just be something we do on a Sunday because the gospel wants to change your life and my life so that I can have the same mind of Christ and the same attitude as Christ. You can. Please stop saying, I was made this way. And Lady Gaga sings her song, I was born this way. She's not a theologian to this world. I was born and then I was reborn into him. And he says, you can go on any journey to be like me. 